And we're back. This is the Mosa Musa podcast, season two, and this is episode number thirteen. And today in the studio, I have my good friend, who's an industrial designer and a model. Welcome, Jonesy. Hi, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> we're both very excited to be part of this. Yes, absolutely. So first, I want to ask you, what's the deal with your nickname, Dumb Poop? <laughs> uh, <laughs> How did you get this nickname? Yeah, lots of people ask this question.、Um, it's because my Chinese nickname is Poop, eventually, and I love it so much because it makes my life easier. Everyone just remember me. Oh, she's the Poop. Even my teacher, my mom, call me Poop. So I just directly translate it to English. That sounds weird. Like if someone calls me poop, I'll be like, "Oh, that they're being rude." But you take it as, "Oh, it's fun." Yes, I take everything as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good outlook to like life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everything has have different perspectives, so I'm always thinking in a good way. So you grew up in Hong Kong. Yeah, I born and raised in Hong Kong, and I come to Sweden in 2018、mm. for exchange study. Um, in Konstvart to study my industrial design for half year, then after I go back to Hong Kong, I went back to Hong Kong to continue and finish and graduate. I decided to move to Sweden to purchase my dream. Yes, I guess the weather of Hong Kong is not as cold as here. Oh, of course. Yeah, so we don't have snow. And... Oh, you don't? No,、okay. not at all.、Mm. And our winter is more like autumn in here. Mm. Yeah, so wow, coming to Sweden is、mm. such a you like the cold.、Move. No, like <laughs> <laughs> even even in Hong Kong, maybe we're like having eleven degree. I'm still wearing down jacket.、Uh, okay. Yeah, so coming to Sweden, I'm actually layering myself seven layers. Yeah, seven layers, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so worried. I bring so many things to here, but、uh, after living here for one year. I get used to it,、mm. so kind、yeah. of like it. Yeah, I saw like a long time ago there was an ad for this jacket which had like a built-in cooling and heating system. Oh yeah, that would be so cool. Like I've seen heated blankets. If they could just make it into a jacket, yeah, it, it、so、was、good. in the market for a while.、Mm. I was considering to buying it and come to Sweden, but I'm so afraid that it will burn me or it will explode.、Mm. So with my own safes, yeah. Yeah, I did not choose that. But my friend told told me that it really works and yeah, it helps. Yeah. So you studied inter- industrial design. Yes. And then when did you st- start working with it? Like when did you make it a profession?、Uh, I start working as an intern during my study, and then after I graduate, I am actually working in an agency as an in-house designer. Then I decided to. Really go for more product design, industrial design, and some my own arts work because I also do fine art. So I quit that job and I came to Sweden.、Um, since then, I'm working as a freelancer,、mm-hmm. and I take different projects in different criterias, not just limited in industrial design. So I do like animation, packaging design, anything that's fun.、Mm-hmm. I will be always up for it.、Mm-hmm. Were you always into the arts and creativity since you were young? Yeah, since I was little, I'm already very into art. I find out like doing art work, especially painting, is kind of a meditation for me to express myself. I can calm myself because I am a very like fast person. I always do things really quick, and I'm always overthinking. But when I'm doing art, it feel like 
this little space is belongs to me. It's my own space. I can enjoy as much as I want. Most of the time, I draw nonstop without eating, without sleeping. Um, sometimes I express my emotion during drawing, so I actually cry and listen to music when I'm drawing. But I enjoy it. You know, people always say art is a lonely path, and I enjoy being lonely when I'm doing arts. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. You're, yeah. you're comfortable with being alone. Yeah, I'm comfortable with being alone, and also being very deep into my mood. That helped me to create better artwork, actually, mm -hmm. because I'm more concentrated, less distracted by the outside world. So, uh, do you kind of have an idea what's the longest you've spent on a project? Like you were just sitting there for hours and hours. I actually spend a lot of time in most of my project because I work really slow. You know, I'm crying in the middle, <laughs> eating in the middle, so I'm not really that focusing. Uh, but the longest artwork I have ever worked with is um, is a charcoal painting. Uh, and then is, I will call it black on black because the background is in black color and I'm paint, uh, and I'm drawing the leather shoes. So also in black color. I want to challenge my technique, how to make these two very, very um, a similar color to pop out. So I actually spent one year to work on that drawing and at the end, I really liked the result. And during the process, because I also take breaks, I'm not working on it every day. So I actually learn more technique than I estimated I gonna be apply on that painting because um, I kind of grown up during that one year. So that's the longest painting I've ever worked on. That's really amazing. So you were like kind of developing the painting as you were developing yourself. Exactly, exactly. I think most of my work are like this too, even for modeling, same principle. Is it, do you cry just doing your own work or do you get affected by other people's art as well, like a deep painting or something? And do, does that make you emotional? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, so why do I cry when I'm doing my own work? I get very emotional about thinking about who I am, where I belong to, the story, history, uh, something that I feel like I feel sad if they disappear. So that's why most of my artwork are more cultural related. And there is one artist I really like. His name is Francis Bacon. I like his artwork by studying his story. So I actually know how his life been go through. He was grown up during Second World War. He see that body on the street. And his father is a soldier. So his home is a typical, like, um, his father really want him to be a man-man. But he eventually find out he is uh, gay. Um, so none of his, none of the family member is supporting him. He has to be super lonely and stand up for himself. And he actually showed all of this emotional through his painting. I saw his first artwork when I'm studying art and I do research. I am very moved by most of his arts. Until I went to um, Tate Modern, I really see his work. I sit down there, look at all the brush stroke, and think about the year he painted these arts, and think about in this year, what kind of story he has been go through. So that artwork is the, the story of his boyfriend who commits suicide. But he used a very 
contrast color, um, orange, to represent the whole setup and painting his boyfriend's portrait. Um, with the bus stroke and the story that I understand, I actually cry in front of his painting. Even now I think about this, I still got very emotional. And I think this is what art is very powerful for. You are not just telling a story, you are sharing your life, the story of your life. So I'm working on my art and I am looking forward that maybe one day my artwork can can just click people's heart in this way too. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you also get emotional, I guess, while watching like a movie, emotional movie or something? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have watched In the Mood for Love more than 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, firstly, the music is very, very mo- uh, emotional too. Um, the scenes, the the old Hong Kong. Yeah. Is it a Hong Kong movie or? Yeah, it's a very famous movie by Wong Kar Wai, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most famous Hong Kong film director. Yeah. Can I find it in like English subtitles? Yeah, you can find it absolutely. I think they have it in Sweden in some cinema before. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure, but they are like very well known uh, movie. And they don't have a lot lines, actually. It's all about creating the mood of Hong Kong in Wong Kar Wai's perspective. And it's not just one movie, so it's a series of three movies. In the Mood for Love is talking about the old time. Days of Being Wilds is talking about how Hong Kongese went overseas and struggled in, in a new country. And the last movie is called, is called 2046. It's talking about future, so it's kind of like three movie in a row. Three different timelines. Yeah, exactly, and three different budgets too. Mm-hmm. So you can really see how a creative person make use of limited budget to make still good movie. No, I'll definitely check it out then. Yeah, I think you're gonna love it. Especially these three movie inspire a lot of photographer to use lights, uh, also other movies to use different lights and setting, aesthetic. So yeah, I think you definitely you will definitely love it. Mm, okay, yeah, that's good. You yeah. told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about art. Like, without the story behind it, it's just like pixels on a screen or just like brush stroke mm. some color on a canvas. Like, there are so many like imitators, like some really great artists who can imitate Leonardo da Vinci's work or Picasso's work exactly the same. You cannot tell the difference. Mm, yeah. But once you know, okay, this person didn't make it, Leonardo made it, or that person, that determines the value. The story behind it or the personality behind it determines the value. Yeah. That's like in the art world, they say that the artist only gets recognized after he dies. Yeah. <laughs> but now, I think now is better. A lot of people are being more appreciate other people's narrative story in their art. And it's easier for us to do marketing too, to share our artwork mm-hmm. to the world. A lot of people are talking about the artwork may not worth that money. Of course, there are a lot of gimmick artwork in the market that I don't appreciate too. But those I really appreciate are also because the narrative background behind. Yeah, because like if you're just talking about technique, a lot of people can do the same artwork, but not a lot of people have the same mind to do the same content. So art is art, 
for art is trash without soul. Yeah, that reminds me of the story that there's a sh- really big ship owned by a rich person and there's something wrong with the fish, uh, the ship, sorry. Yeah. And he offers a lot of money, whoever can fix the ship. So many people try to, big engineers go and try to fix the ship, but nobody can. And then this old man who has like over 50 years of experience working, he goes there and just like hits it one time with the hammer in this one spot and the ship starts working. Yeah. And then the guy, the owner says to him, I'm not going to pay you so much money for just this one hammer stroke. And then the old engineer says that you're not paying me for the stroke. You're paying me because I know where to hit the ship. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's about all the originality, like if one person can do it, but the other person cannot. So that gives it more value. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you can make the copy of a Da Vinci painting, but that's still a copy, not an original. Yeah, exactly. If those people who keep copying can do their own artwork, I'm sure they will be super good. Yeah, that's weird though. Like, if you are such a good artist to yeah. copy other people, why don't you make your own art? I think it's also because of comfort zone. Some people really see their value depends on how people judge them. So if you do something safe, like I know Da Vinci's work is very famous, so I just copy. I have technique, I can do exactly the same. So people will be admire me. But if I do my own creation, I'm not so sure if I can be that successful or not. Then because of lacking this um, confidence, so there are people not working on. Yeah. But I'm, I hope more people will be stepping out of their comfort zone and do not take people's opinion too important. You should always listen to yourself. You're so busy with dealing with yourself already. Why do you need to deal with others? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of want to take the shortcut because in that same example, Da Vinci is a recognizable name. Yeah. So anybody can say, oh, yeah, he's a good imitator of Da Vinci. But if he makes his own original art, then yeah. it's, not, it's going to be hard to market. Yeah, himself. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the path get harder, people give up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you know about this painting called Salvatore Mundi? I have a very bad memory about ah. names. So I have to look at it because I'm a very image person. Okay. No, it's a, it's a painting of Jesus and it's claimed to be painted by Da Vinci. And it was unearthed. I can show you this painting. Uh-huh. So the thing is, this is the, the, uh, the most expensive painting ever sold in the world. Mm. It was sold in 2017. And in the auction, the king of the now king of Saudi Arabia bought the painting for yeah. four hundred and million, four hundred fifty million dollars. Wow! It's like almost half a billion. Wow! And the thing is, now some artists and some other people did some research, and it turns out there is no clear evidence. It's not. It's even a Da Vinci painting. Yeah. So the art world, I saw this documentary about it, that this art world is so like corrupted in a way. It and is. auctioneers and museum, they would just like make up stuff just to put a high value on their art. Yeah. I mean, even Mona Lisa mm. is still, no one can tell if it is the real one or not yeah. because it's got stolen yeah. and then it disappeared and then it go back to uh, Paris. But yeah, still no one can really tell because... Da Vinci is not here. Da Vinci's friend is not here. So you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I don't think that can ever, ever happen again because of this like uh, digital world. There's a record of everything. If I die in the future, like anybody in the future can 
go to my Instagram or something, Facebook, and see my paintings and can never be like, oh, is this Musa's or is this not? Because there's a digital print that says it's mine. Yeah, I have heard about now crypto is doing this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, thing. NFTs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Know. With NFT, I think it works, but... Still, there are still lots of copyright issue in the world existed so many copies i'm not sure how it will it work in the future but if you do good artwork then you don't have to worry about this yeah i love the nft <laughs> world it's, it's just funny to me that i understand how it works and it's uh, you can have an original something yeah but then i see the memes that you can just right click and have the same image yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> just copy can, and place yeah, exactly nobody <laughs> can tell the difference yeah okay i want to go back to what you mentioned before that uh you use your art as a way to distract yourself from overthinking yeah so but i wanted to ask that do you overthink about your art itself while you're doing it? Or are you worried about how it's going to turn out? Or will people like it? Will you like it once it's finished? Do you overthink about that? Yeah, absolutely. I also go through that kind of process too. Not just overthinking. Um, I think especially I'm a very typical Capricorn person when I'm working on my own work. I set super high standard for myself. So that's why the previous painting I was mentioning took me one year because I'm not happy with it. I I don't remember how many times I change it. Start a new one, start a new one. But then the later I get realize you should enjoy the process. If it doesn't turn out good, then do a new one. Doesn't matter. You don't need to limit yourself to do the same one painting once. You can do it more than one time. And every time you work on it, you have something new that you learn from it. And I also learned don't set too high expectation for yourself because if you care less, the outcome is always surprising you. It's better than you expect. So enjoying the artwork is my first priority right now. And I'm still learning how to do it because I am still very struggle every time when I pick up my pens. Yeah, I guess there should be a balance like you want to care enough that it's a good artwork, but not care too much that it's not going to be like it's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah, be yeah, in the middle. Yeah, especially sometimes I have the image in my mind already, but my but I cannot make it happen. Like I cannot paint it. I cannot draw it out. Why? Most of the reason maybe because I don't practice enough. So my hand is not really listening to my soul. I cannot really express what is in my mind directly. So I do more practice. I have told um, my student, because I also teach drawing, I am very bad at drawing hands. So I draw 100 hands for 100 days. After that, I'm better. I'm still not mastering it. But the more you practice, the better it go, and it will be coming out easier in later. Yeah, that's so weird that... Everybody knows there's this one rule. If you want to get better at anything, you have to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. But me, including myself, like people, we just give up after a few tries when we like <laughs> see things are not turning well how they expected. I guess like we set too high expectations that, oh, yeah. I can learn this thing quickly. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to put in the time. But sometimes if you give up, it doesn't matter. But please come back again. Mm. Because this is something you're passionate about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, humans are so lazy. I mean, I'm super lazy even for something I'm passionate. But yeah, but just re keep reminding yourself 
when you are working on it, how do you feel about it? Do you want that feeling again? Yes, you want. Go for it. That's how I work. <laughs> Is it easy working freelance? Because I imagine when you're not face to face with the client and you work like contacted them online, yeah. like uh, I guess they have different expectations. You have some different expectations of the work. So how do you like work that out? I know that even with photography, like you're the expert. You're the expert for design, mm. and you know how the thing should be. But since the client not is not know. expert, they have different expectations. Yeah. So, how do you explain to the client? How do you work that out? Well, communicating with client is also a kind of art. <laughs> uh, most of the time, I will um, use a, stand in a situation like I'm educating them. If they never work with designer before, I have to let them know how the design process go. I have to give them very clear um, kind of like timeline or more clear. Um, idea of how a design is coming out, and I will ask them a lot of questions. Also, I will try to talk to them something not really related to the project, maybe to know them as a person a little bit deeper. So, uh, so I try to understand more from them. Most of the time, even you ask them the question like, "What do you want to design? How do you want it to look like?" They don't know, but through the converse conversation. I actually know. Oh, so maybe you have child. So in the design is for kid. So you actually understand how parents choose a product. So you should not really think about how to make it look childish. Instead, maybe you should think about what kind of product will you buy when you go to the shop because you are the buyer. So this kind of things is kind of like sharing, educating them, more company、uh, communication, and being more open mind to their opinion. Then when it moves to my own design, I try to narrow everything down. Then I can start working on my design. It's like a housekeeper, <laughs> like take, taking care of everything, make everything tidy, show for a clear image to your client, make sure your client understand. Yeah, this is how I work with them. Do you remember any incident or experience with a client where it was really bad? No, I don't have bad clients. All my clients are good. Yeah, okay, you got lucky then. <laughs> no, yeah.、Um, oh, but I have a very funny story to share. I was working for Hyundai once, the Korean car brand.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working for them a ten minutes animation for the internal presentation. And you know, I'm graduate as an industrial designer. I do 3D. I do CAD drawing. I do drawing. I don't do animation. But since I got this opportunity to work with this such a big brand, and the project is very fun, so I actually learned how to use After Effects into it. Yes. After that, I realized, wow, if I like it, I can actually do it. Um, it's not that difficult. I studied After Effects before, and I hated it because it's so complicated. So I lost all the interest. I just gave up. But when opportunity come, I try to challenge myself, and I did it. So now, whenever I take,、uh, whenever I see the project is fun, I just take it. I, I'm not sure if I can do it, but I, I'm sure I will do it. So you're like doing art is your hobby, but you also made it as a career. Do you feel like burned out sometimes? Like sometimes you do so much work for your client, you're like,、uh, like this is too much happening right now. In my perspective, I see these two are different things. 
I do my own fine art. I'm not selling my art because something that's free is the most expensive. I don't want to sell my art because I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. But I sell my design because my design is helping my client to solve a problem. It's a solution with my aesthetic. So I see these two are different things. So far, I don't really find it my creativity burnout because I'm continuous trying a lot of new things like being model, um, trying to take photography, making videos on YouTube. These kind of things are super fun too. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you have like different like hobbies so you don't get burnt out? You just dabble in different things. Yeah, yeah. I just transform the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you start modeling? I started modeling for, I think, one year. So since I come to Sweden, I started a new Instagram. And because my, my another Instagram account is private. So after I start my new Instagram, there are photographers start asking me, hey, do you want to go out, have a shoot? So I actually have been following a few photographers that I really like. And when I am in Stockholm, I decided to, why not? Let's give it a try. I've never tried before. And I actually want to like learn how do they do photography too. Maybe learn something from them. Yeah, so this is how I start. The reason why I continued is I make a lot of new friends. Mm-hmm. Foreigner in Sweden, they're, they're having difficulty of making new friends. I think it's mainly because um, most of the... Mainly because most of the people grown up here, they have their own group of friends. So they always hang out together. It is very awkward to suddenly bring up new friends to your old friends group. And then they spend so much time together. So it's very difficult for you to fit in. But being model, I am actually meeting people who also want to meet friends too. So I actually enjoy doing this afterwards. So I do more and more and lots of good works. Did you feel nervous uh, like when you did your first gig or how did you like, did you watch tutorial videos how to pose or were you just like natural? You just went there and see how everything just goes, go with the flow. Yeah, I should, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. I... Yeah, I just go, I, I am actually very nervous because I never really collaborate with people before. I did modeling for my own projects and it's because maybe I finish my my design 3 a.m. No one can be my model. The presentation is next day 7 in the morning, so I can, I'm the only model that I can, mm. I can use. So yeah, yeah, the, it went, it went well. So far, the photographers I met are very nice. They usually give me guideline, like you. You tell me how to pose and give me a lot of instruction, sharing me mood board. So I basically understand what's going on before I go there. So yeah, it's okay. When was the last time you were in Hong Kong? I came here in November. So before November, I was in Hong Kong. You came here last November? Uh, which November do you mean? Like last I month or last year? Oh, I was here for two years already. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last, last year I was in Hong Kong. Do you still have family there? Yeah, my family live in there. So now you're moving to London? Or... I'm moving to Nottingham. Nottingham, oh, nice. Yay. You said you were really excited about moving. Do you plan to just like visit Stockholm just to meet friends or... Uh, are you just gonna stay in England for a bit? I I will stay in England for a bit, and I'll definitely come back to Stockholm to visit my friends. 
And also, if any client that spoke me for modeling, I'll definitely come back to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, moving to Nottingham, I'm very looking forward to it because I can finally understand the text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I learned Swedish for one semester. Do they call semester yeah. here? Yes, for one semester, but I'm really not talent in Swedish. I have a lot of difficulty in pronunciation. Um, people say I sound like sleep talking. Or, <laughs> or, or, or. Yeah, I, I don't know why. but uh, So most of the time when I'm in Sweden, I'm super confused because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. yeah, so in UK, I can finally understand people's gossip. Yeah, you feel really out of place <laughs> when you don't know the language. Yeah, and I, I kind, um, I wouldn't say I blame myself, but I don't feel good because I really want to know more about the culture here. I really want to talk to old people. I love talking to old people, listening, listening to their stories. Eventually, I will still learn Swedish, but not now. Maybe in a few years later, I'll be fluent. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> you can still like in London. You can like still keep on your Duolingo lessons. Yeah, I I am still working on my Duolingo lessons. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring up a question you asked me before we started recording why I started this podcast. I mean, there were several reasons. Like one of the reasons I was just <laughs> bored. And, yeah. you know, Swedish winter, everything is dark. You wake up in darkness, you go to bed in darkness. And plus, like all of my friends move out to different cities. So I didn't really have anyone to hang out with. Mm. Plus, I, I love podcasting because... It's very rare that you have this kind of long conversations with someone. And like, I really enjoy that you can really connect with someone. So yeah. I'm like, hey, then I started looking into, I, I, I'm like thinking, I already listened to so many podcasts. And I know in my circle that there are some really interesting people. So why not just like invite them and talk to them? Be like, build those connections with people, get to know them better. Yeah. Plus, I had this conversation with a friend about like mental health and stuff. And then we realized, yeah, I mean, uh, we don't talk about it enough openly. And if we talk more openly, then maybe some other person who's dealing with the same stuff, maybe they can get a little bit of help. Yeah, I think this is a very good idea. Mm -hmm. I've listening to your podcast. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah um, like, for example, for knowing people. I know Michelle, <laughs> but after listening to the podcast, I know her even better. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I love listening to people's, uh, the story of people around me. Um, I also hear about you maybe talk about mental um, health problem. I think a lot of people are going through this and we actually need to support each other because it is kind of, it's not everyone talk like can be openly talk about this and not everyone can share with you how they overcome it as a human we always see other people's better but we never know they're actually also struggling the same thing that you're struggling with like nowadays social media is such huge people only share about the good side of themselves a lot of people feel a bit pressure uh, because they will be comparing themselves to the others, maybe just friends, even even just friends. They're like, oh, why are they living better life than me? Why am I having this kind of situation? No, you just don't know how they struggle about this. I really like your podcast. People are sharing anything, even something that they are finding is really hard. By sharing your experience, people can learn something from that, find some support. 
Yeah, I used to think that every not everybody suffers from mental illness, but the more I talk to people, like the more I realize, yeah, maybe it's not not everyone is handling like having the worst part of it, but mm. everyone is on a spectrum of maybe feeling depressed, maybe feeling insecure or anxiety. Yeah, almost everyone. So. Yeah, I think in my experience, I've started talking more about it. Even someone I met like really recently, I was like bring up the subject, and then it's like instantly you know that you made this a deeper connection with that person just talking about this stuff. Yeah, because you can finally find someone to talk about this、mm. deep down in your in your mind. I did a modeling job before, which is really meaningful.、Uh, is It was shown in Galerian. How do you pronounce? Yeah, Galerian. Galerian. <laughs> yeah, and、um, it's about teenagers' mental issue. So it's a series of photograph of pictures showing there to bring through the content of the composition of the photograph. It talk about what kind of teenage mental issues that they are facing, and to kind of bring some awareness to the public. So I think we can do something this through talking, through photography, through art, lots of ways. Yeah, that's true. So I wanted to ask this one question about Asian representation in like movies and art and other culture. Like we have like recently we have a lot of talk about like,、um, let's say、um, a straight person should not play a gay person or. Uh, an Indian person shouldn't pay, play an Arab person in media.、Mm-hmm. So when you see, like, do you believe that if someone in a movie should a Hong Kong person from Hong Kong? Wait, what do you call a person from Hong Kong? Hong Kongese, Hong Kongese, Hong Konger, Hong Kongese, Hong Konger. Yeah, they're、okay. in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so,、uh, like, when you see an Asian person, a character is from Hong Kong. Yeah. Do you believe the person playing that character should also be from Hong Kong, or should it, can it be someone else from China or some other、uh, country? That is a very, very interesting question. I have never thought through about that. I think as an actor, you should be mastering any character that you are going to do, than those a good actor. But if you have a specific Nationality background in your role, you should study about this.、Mm-hmm. I will feel uncomfortable if I see a person who is playing as a Hong Kongese, but that person cannot speak Cantonese, or the accent is not a Cantonese accent. Then I will be feeling not so good because you're representing us because you can you can spread our false information through your role. So I would say any actor or actress, if you have a role to play and it has a specific、uh, nationality background, you should really study about this. Yeah, I agree with that. Like,、um, I've had this conversation with some friends who don't agree, but I believe if like if there's a character who's Pakistani, but、uh, let's say a, a, an Arab person or a, or a Bangladeshi or an Indian person is playing that. As long as they represent the character in a good way, they portray it in a good way, not like a stereotypical way,、yeah. and I think it's fine because acting is basically yeah just like act, lying, acting is basically pretending. So yeah, yeah, you put yourself in the character. In the show Fresh Off the Boat,、uh, these Asian family they are originally come from Taiwan, and I trust them. 
But then when I uh, when I checked the cast, the main character, which is playing as a father, he's called Louis Huang. He's actually from Korea, and I cannot tell. So he is a good actor.、Mm, yeah, I mean that's what acting is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he really tried to study about how to make himself look more like a Taiwanese, so he fit in the role. So it's very depends on the actor itself.、Mm. Yeah, and it's also like it's, it's weird that it's only in movies that this question is brought up. While in animation, you always see like a girl is voicing a boy, a black person is voicing a white character, like and no, everybody is fine with it. Nobody really cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think when it is about voice, it's different too because I can sounds very Asian. I can sounds very American. You can't tell. Yeah, I I think is it has more opportunity for different people. I saw this recently an ad going around on social media that this.、Um, This company, who's not connected to Asia in any way, and they were selling Asian clothes, just changing the name for it, like making their own thing.、Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, like I want Asian culture to be promoted, but why are they making their own thing? You know? Yeah, that's a different、uh, different topic, I would say,、mm. because when it is about clothing. It's also a cultural representation. It's not just it just suddenly pop out. This kind of cutting, this kind of design, it also have a historical background to support it. If a brand is working on something that's traditional, then you should really study how traditional it is.、Um, it doesn't matter who you are, even you are not from that country, but you need to study about how to make it like traditional way.、Mm-hmm. So I I know a few design a, a lot of designer they went abroad and study others culture. So they end up coming back to their own country and then do a collection of design that's help to representing others' culture.、Uh, if they are, if they study deep enough, enough, they may even do better than the local people.、Mm-hmm. Seriously, but if they don't really put effort to study, they just take it the most shallow, maybe just the appearance, then is 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 not good design. Yeah, like if there if there's like a let's say a Mexican restaurant, but it's not run by Mexicans, but the food food is authentic. Everybody will be okay, like yeah. as long as yeah. Yeah, I went to Omakase in Sweden. What、uh, is that? Omakase is a is a Japanese way of ordering food. The chef decide what you are gonna eat. Okay. Yeah, and the chef is not a Japanese, but. He went to Japan to study about how to become a omakase chef since he was little. So when I went there, he actually had some fusion. But I really appreciate his、uh, effort. And you can see、um, the intern working there; they are Japanese. So which means they also appreciate each other.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think、uh, the race can limit your opportunity or. Your talent, just just go for what you're passionate about. So I wanted to ask you.、Uh, you've been here in Sweden, plus now you're moving to the UK,、mm-hmm. and you're also very connected to your Hong Kongese culture. <laughs> Hong Kongese. Hong Kong. Hong, Hong Kong, Kong culture. Hong Kong culture. <laughs> so,、uh, how do you stay connected? Do you like、uh, watch media, movies from Hong Kong, or? You like make food from Hong Kong. You can never get away where you're from. I would say 
I never cooked before. I start cooking a lot of Hungarian meal after I come to Sweden. I actually learn all this meal and I am very impressed because I never thought about that I can make this. I remember there was once I really make the taste that I taste when I was kid. I cry. I really miss home that much. And I would say we have a very famous saying from Bruce Lee. It's called be water. Yeah. Hong Kong is a very interesting. We are very interesting. We can fit in very easily in different places. I've been talking with、uh, Taiwanese friends, Chinese friends. They went to different part of the world. They can always gather a group of people that are from the same place together. For in,、uh, for Hong Kong is is a little bit difficult because、um, we can fit in a new society very quickly, easily. It's not necessary for us to be always connected with our own people. We don't even have the concept of our own people, and I think it's also because Hong Kong is very international too. So we don't have that issue.、Um, so be water. Wherever we go, we can still fit in and bring our own story to people.、Um, for example, Cantonese is the oldest language in China. In a、uh, yeah, in China,、uh, it was even before Mandarin. We really like our language. We are start teaching people how to speak Cantonese because of our appreciate of our own language. So you can even find、um, foreigner YouTuber on YouTube that's teaching you Cantonese because they also love our language too. So the connection that I build with where I come from is always in my blood. I cannot get rid of it, and I I love to show people how I appreciate it, and also I I at the same time I also love to adopt different culture. After I came to Sweden, I have been seeing a lots of things. I I build a lots of new perspective. I learn all the good things and all the bad things in different cultures, and I merge them together. And I think this will make a person even better. This kind of globalization is in a good way. So I also apply this in my design too. Like I always talk to my friends. You are in Sweden studying. What do you appreciate with like? What did you learn through your study? That I tell them in Hong Kong, we are always very busy.、Uh, we are busy on doing things. We are busy on working. We spend eight hours, ten hours on working, but most of the time we are thinking about what to eat for lunch, <laughs> where to go for movie. When I'm in Sweden, I work with my classmate. Yes, we start working at nine. We end it at three sharp. During this period, I try to bring up what to eat for lunch. No one, no one respond. <laughs> Everyone is so focused on working on it. Then, in this little story from my observation, I realize this is something I should learn from them to be very focused when you are really working on something. But I also appreciate us that we can completely. Enjoy when we are working, even without noticing the time. Forget about eating. If I can mix these two together, wow, I'm a genius.、Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really like this kind of、um, learning from different culture. 
at the same time, don't lose your own value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The foundation of the house is like your Hong Kong, and then like one brick is from Sweden, one is from some other culture, and like it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah. stays together. Yeah. Especially every every culture has their own pros and cons. You you cannot ignore them. They are. This is fact. The only thing you can do is improve. So what's the what's like a typical Hong Kong food or a dish? <laughs> or which one do you like the best? Well, I will say dim sum mm-hmm. is very famous, well known. But I don't like dim sum. <laughs> I don't like dumpling at all. Uh-huh. It's very very weird. I know people laugh at me. Uh, what is my favorite Hong Kong dish? Yeah, or what is your favorite to make or to eat? I love all the dish we have. Is there an authentic uh, restaurant here to serve Hong Kong food? Oh yes, um, there is restaurant called Crystal Cafe. I think it's in Son Na. Okay. They used to have a pop up store, and now they have a they have a restaurant selling uh, Hong Kong food, mm. and they have very good uh, aesthetic graphic to tell you the story of Hong Kong mm-hmm. and also there is a uh, um Are ba- the owners from Hong Kong? Yeah, she is from Hong Kong. Uh there is a bakery. Oh, this one I really need to mention. Um it's called Second Floor Cafe. She, uh she is one of my friends. I actually know the other Hong Kongese in Stockholm because of her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, her name is Jay. Um, she came to Sweden and wanted to promote Hong Kong pastry. So without any knowledge, without any experience of baking, she started by making follow about pineapple bun, which is a very good and very famous, and it can represent Hong Kong a lot, this bun. Um, and it's very interesting because in China, they eat baozi, like it's usually made from flowers or like it look like white bread okay. with a filling but in hong kong our pastry is a mix of western and east culture we use the western ingredients chinese way of is it like this i don't know but we use flour we use butter but we use uh, we make it in a very oriental way mm. Yeah, so through our food, well, actually Hong Kong was is called a food paradise because we have lots of different culture, cuisine. Oh, I know what is my favorite food. Mm-hmm. And it's curry fish bowl. Uh-huh. Yes, I know curry is from India, but... Um, I think every culture has their kind of curry. Yeah, but I think our curry is really from India. Okay. Because uh, at the old time, Hong Kong is uh, kind of like a pot to transport spices. Mm-hmm. So we really like those spices, but we kind of lower down how spicy it is. And then we have fish bore. The fish bore is very chewy. It doesn't taste like the shutbulla at all. Shutbulla is more like, more like soft, less dense, easily separate apart. But the Hong Kongese fishbowl, you can play it on a table. Um, no, uh-huh, like you a can play it as a table tennis. Yeah. yeah, like a ping pong ball. Yeah. Uh, so this is a kind of fusion that we mix, and it become a very popular street food in Hong Kong. So I would say most of the very famous Hong Kongese food are fusion. Yeah. And also, this is how we are too. We are a place that have two different culture mixed together. Mm-hmm. Then this is Hong Kong. 
Yeah, now it makes sense. Like you mentioned, like uh, Hong Kongese people, like they they can be accustomed to any any environment, any country. Mm. You can just like can easily blend in, and like uh, and then the food is also a part of it. Your food is also like blending of different cultures and stuff. Yeah, it can show in a lot of respect too. Even movie, even arts, even oh, food. I love food. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to bring up this. This is, I think I find this really funny, but mm. no offense to you. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you afraid of birds? I have phobia, seriously. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just making it up. So the story is when I have a memory. I don't know whether it happened or I just saw it on TV. Is I'm in a park. A guy come to me, show me a very small little bird. When I'm petting the bird, he squeezes. Yeah, and I always have this uh, in my mind. Then uh, after I grown up, I realized the shape, the sound, ugh, everything is very disgusting for me, bird. Uh, I have to cut out all the birds' picture in my science textbook. Oh. I am even afraid of those emo emoji. Because they look too realistic, but I think I'm improving because mm. I cannot escape from bird in Sweden, yeah. in UK, especially, especially in Sagittarius. Those pigeon, uh, I get really mad every time when someone try to scare them and make them fry. They scare me and make me fry instead. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why I'm afraid of bird. But are you okay with the like when you're making food? Are you okay with handling the no. meat? <laughs> I will use always use either frog or chopstick to to touch them, but it's very funny. Before they are cooked, they are that body. They are bird, but after they are cooked, they are food for me. So yeah, I'm not yeah, afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your way of overcoming your fear. You just eat it. <laughs> yeah, I just eat it. I even I love eating chicken feet, but I cannot touch raw chicken feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bird for me. <laughs> yeah, people always ask me. Uh, one pigeon or ten thousand cockroach. Ten thousand cockroach. That's my reaction. <laughs> like sharp. Ten thousand cockroach. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't deal with bird. Like for me, it's uh, I think it's like frogs and snakes and like uh, uh, those like... scaly, slimy things. Even fish. Like I hate fish. Yeah. Like just looking at their mouth. If if you remove the mouth from the fish and the eyes, like. Then you're I, fine. Then I'm fine. Then that's food. Yeah. Then you gotta eat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to have I used to have geckos in my home. Oh yeah, me too. I hate them. You do? Yeah. No, in, I really keep them as a pet. Oh, as a pet. No. I have eleven geckos in my home before. It's three generations. Oh my god. Yeah, they are boring. Yeah, <laughs> they don't move. Yeah, but I know a lot of people are afraid of them because mm -hmm. of their appearance. Yeah, in Pakistan, I remember we had the like all we have a lot of geckos like outside, and then they would come in the house as well. Yeah, especially in the bathrooms. Yeah, and I specifically remember we have like both cockroaches. So sometimes when a cockroach pops out of behind the sink or something, mm -hmm. you like like step like and then say shoo. The cockroach will run away. Yeah. But if you do that to a gecko, it will come towards you. <laughs> so I didn't know cockroach have ears. Uh, no, just like uh, if you like stomp on the floor, so they oh, like scare feel, them away. Yeah, scare them away. Yeah, they go away. But whenever you do that to a gecko, it like moves towards. Really? Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. We have we barely see 
wild gaggles at home. But they are good because they eat cockroach and yeah. they eat flies. So my mom will never let me to kill them. Yeah. We just let them be there. Mm-hmm. And, but I will be staring at them, make sure they don't get close to me. Because yeah. they always appear in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have this nightmare, like, sometimes I think about... Uh, I don't have this nightmare, but I have this fear that it, one time I'm just sleeping and, then, like, a snake crawls in me with my bed. Uh, like, What? Yeah. That is crazy. Even though I know there are no snakes here. Like, it's Im- oh. almost impossible. Oh, so you just... You just imagine that. Yeah, I imagine that happening. I'm like, oh. I, re- I, I know every time if I have a nightmare that I see birds, I will be crying in the real life. And then when I wake up, my whole face is with tears. Oh, yeah, my mom always said, I thought something bad happened to you. I does not know. I saw owl in my dream. This is the reason why you cry like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big thing for me <laughs> yeah, but yeah i think you understand how yeah, yeah, i am yeah. afraid of. yeah yeah i'm so happy to have brought you in for the first episode of the second season <laughs> yay thank you for having me awesome i think everyone should go follow your instagram yes. at dumb poop uh, dumb dot, dot poop. poop i'll put it in the description it still feels weird for me to say <laughs> it but yeah if not if i'm not embarrassed you should not be embarrassed yeah, exactly. no one should be embarrassed <laughs> i love it good luck moving into the uk and i hope yeah. we see each other again yes and i'm looking forward to your more podcasts yes. i would love to listen to other people's stories hopefully yeah yeah <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Peace be upon you all. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.